Hey, good morning, church family. Welcome to New Hope Church's uh, TNT, Tuesday and Thursday morning devotional. My name is Mike. I'm our Friendswood Campus Pastor, and I want to tell you, I'm so glad to be with you guys this morning. Um, if you don't know this, I also have the honor of getting to serve as our Life Groups Pastor. And so, speaking of Life Groups, if you have not been connected to a Life Group yet, or you've been like, hey, where are the Life Groups? I want to tell you this, coming mid-September, we'll be launching Life Groups, and so we're really excited about it. It's the smaller side of New Hope Church. It's online Bible studies. Some are in-person, some are a virtual. Most of them, as I've known, uh, speaking to my leaders, are actually meeting virtually, but you'll have an opportunity to get connected. In fact, the uh, it's called the event is called Life Group Connect, so make sure you keep listening for that. And for my Life Group leaders, hey, for those of you who have room, hey, make sure you check your emails, because I'm going to be sending out an email this week, hopefully it'll get through this week and uh, by this weekend and uh, we're just asking if you've got space hey uh, let us know and uh, what we're doing is we're actually going back to specific group types so uh, there'll be men's groups women's groups hopefully some fishing groups maybe some barbecue groups I don't know um, but but really uh, there'll be specific group types uh, so make sure you respond to that email guys so for those of you, remember, who you're going to be looking for a life group, hang in there a little bit more. Uh, for updates, you can go to our life groups page. It's on the uh, Get Connected tab. You'll see it on the top of our website, and uh, it'll be an easy process, and I promise you'll be blessed. Hey, so for those of you who are tuning in, uh, man, I think I saw someone tune in the other day from like Waxahachie or something. I know my brothers and sisters from the Philippines and all over the country. Hey, wherever you're tuning in from, whether it's Facebook Live or YouTube Live, make sure that you drop a line. Let us know where you're coming in from. In fact, I see this. Hey, Liz Bloomfield, how you doing? I see you're on uh, YouTube Live. Man, that's awesome. Christy Horner, good morning. Good morning. Good to see you. And hey, Ben, how you doing, buddy? Um... And I see uh, Pablo. Pablo, there you are. All right. I see you. And uh, Nikki Booker. There you go. All right. And uh, Ed Martinez. Jeremy Gundling. I see you guys. Man, it is so good to be with y'all this morning. Um, I'm glad that you're here. Hey, let me just tell you something, guys. It is so cool to have. I, I, know, I know. I know we all want to be together. And as Pastor Tim said, it's coming up September 13th, right? We're all getting back together. But until then, listen, guys, we're still in community. We're still the church. And it's still powerfully and powerful. And it's still a blessing to get together. I want to tell you, thank you so much for being so faithful and staying connected. So if you don't know this, hey, man, if you've got a prayer request, drop a line in there. Let us know what it is. And, and I know, listen, I know some people are intimidated by this. You don't have to put a lot of information, right? Just, you know, you can put it vaguely. And, and listen, this is the th thing about our church. Our church family prays. We're not perfect people, but let me tell you something. We serve a perfect God, and, and, and uh, we'd love to pray for you. Just drop something in uh, right there in the comment section. Also, if it's your very first time here, I would love to hear about you being a first-time guest. Listen, we got some crazy folks here at our church. If they see that, they're just going to celebrate with you. Would you, hey, church family, if you see a first-time guest, let's just celebrate with them and just tell them, thank you so much for being here. We're just so honored that you're here with us. So, all right. So we're going to get started today. So today, I want to share a word of encouragement uh, to you out of a, a life guy by the name of Abraham. I want to talk a little bit about his life. So if you have your Bible app, we're going to be in the very first book of the Bible. It's called Genesis. Yes, the beginning. So let me just tell you a little bit about Abraham. Abraham was a guy who he loved, the, you know, he was a righteous guy and, and he lived life well and, and he was a successful businessman and a lot of things were going well for Abraham. And so God approaches him. And at the time, his name was actually Abram. 
And uh, God approaches him and he tells him, hey, listen, I want to go into covenant, make an agreement with you. But, you know, you have to follow these terms. And if you follow these terms of the agreement of the covenant, you agree on those terms. He says, uh, listen, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you into a, a great nation. I'm going to birth a nation through you. I will bless your people, your future. You know, you'll have more family members and stars in the sky. And and so um it's kind of comical in a way because Abraham's nearly a hundred years old and Sarah's pushing 90, Sarai at the time her name, but eventually it's Sarah. So Abraham, Sarah, they're old. I mean, okay, okay. I don't want to say they're old because I don't want to offend anybody, but listen, they're not young. They're not like child rearing age. I can tell you this. I had two kids in my thirties and you don't know this, but I'm five, six. I used to be six, five. Okay. But, but they stressed me out so much. I mean, I gained like 20 pounds per child, maybe 30. I don't know, but it was rough. Now I could not imagine having children, the older I get, can I get an amen? You know? Yeah. But, but this is the thing, um, Sarah and, and Abraham could not have children. And I just want to take a moment to say for those of you who, who, who aren't able to have children biologically, I want to tell you, I want to give you a big compassionate hug. We love you and our hearts go out to you. And I want to tell you this, the Lord loves you, right? So you hang in there and, and I want you to know that God loves you. But this is the thing. So Abraham decides that he's going to follow Jesus, uh, that he's going to follow God and, and he's going to be devoted and faithful to him. And so Abraham begins a relationship with God. And, and we all know this. When, when we begin a relationship with our Heavenly Father, things get easy, right? Crickets. No, it got harder. His life got difficult. There were some things that happened to man that were just insane. At one point, Abraham's wife is essentially abducted a couple of times. And then Abraham is nearly killed. And then, you know, God blesses Abraham with all this land, says, hey, go ahead and take it. And then it gets even worse because Abraham decides to bring his nephew along with him. And when he brings his nephew along with him, it just doesn't go so well. Their shepherds start fighting with one another. There's a family feud. Sounds like a game show, right? But it wasn't a game show. It was difficult. And so there were problems there, you know. And then, of course, Abraham's wife becomes impatient, waiting on the promises of God. Oh, boy, never get impatient waiting on the promises of God. And she tries to, well, both of them together decide, hey, we're going to do it our way. Never try to manipulate God's will. Wait on his timing. But, man, they made a big mistake. And then finally, after all these difficult moments, Finally, that baby boy Isaac is born. He comes into the world. Sarah's like 90. Abraham's like 100. God makes the impossible possible. Think about that for a moment. And, and through this beautiful baby boy, is a perfect boy that every parent would want. I mean, just he is the promised child, the golden child. He is a symbol of the future and God's promises to Abraham and Sarah. And let me just tell you something, church family. This is where... This is where in this moment, this is where things take a dramatic shift. And in fact, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to go to uh, Ab uh, um, Genesis chapter 22, beginning with verse 1. Hey, but before I do that, I want to pray for us. Jesus, I thank you for my brothers and sisters, God, uh, that are with us, that are connecting right now. I pray that you would speak so boldly through me, Lord, and that you would teach me and teach them. And all together, we would be encouraged and grow in you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus Christ we all say, amen. All right, Genesis 22, one, beginning with verse 1. <clears throat> Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham. 
Here I am, he replied. Man, just the idea of the, our Heavenly Father of God testing us. I mean, I get anxiety. Anybody in the room ever get test anxiety? Oh my gosh, I can remember when I was a kid. Anytime they were like, hey, you're taking a test. I don't even care if they were talking about it next year. I was already nervous. And I was that guy, if I ate something, I got sick. If I didn't eat something, I got sick. If I ate the wrong thing, I got even worse. So no matter what, there was going to be anxiety for me. I couldn't stand taking tests. There's anxiety for me when I read that our Heavenly Father tested Abraham. That's just wild to think that God would test us. But you know what the truth is about tests? Tests don't only expose our weaknesses Test show us where we're strongest. Test show us our character. Tests make us into the men and women that our Heavenly Father has called us to be. And in verse 2, it says this, Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Oh my gosh. By the way, the name Isaac means laughter. This does not feel like laughter. And he tells him to take him to the region of Moriah. The, the word Moriah is literally, it's the chosen, it's a chosen area by God. It's been chosen by Jehovah. God has chosen him to be in this difficult place. But God doesn't call us to hard places, does he? Yes, he does sometimes. Why? Because he exposes our weakness so that we can find out where we're strongest. Where might God be calling you this morning? Is it possible that in the middle of all the craziness that's happening in this world, God has called us for this very moment not to expose our weakness, but so that we can discover where we're strongest? How are you doing with the test? You doing well? You're doing well online. You're doing well uh, with your friends. You love in your community. You're making the most of a difficult situation. And in verse 3, he says this. Early the next morning, Abraham got out, loaded up his donkey. <laughs> he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Man, let me just tell you something. Think about this. There have been three days already. Three days, okay? And they're on this road trip. Three days on this road trip. But you know this and I know this. When we go on road trips, what happens? Well, number one, we get truck stop burritos. Got to have a good burrito. Number two, you get all kinds of junk food. Number three, you have conversations that you don't, don't normally have. I mean, because life's real busy, but suddenly on a road trip, things change. And I don't know if they were on camels or on donkeys or whatever they were driving. Um, this is the thing that I do know. I bet you Isaac and Abraham had all kinds of different conversations. Listen, in fact, scholars say as far as Abraham's age, we really don't know it exactly. Some scholars have said he's a teenager and others have said maybe he's 30 years old. My thing is this, the older he is, the worse this situation is because I'm like, that brother can run. I'm like, my dad's trying to barbecue me. I am running, you know, <laughs> I'm going to get out of the place. So, so I don't know how old he was. So I don't know if that's really uh, uh, as much of a big deal as the fact of what's happening. But I do know this, when you're on a journey, uh, you're on a, a road trip, man, you know, Abraham and Isaac had some great conversations. And you know, at some point, Isaac probably said, Dad, are you okay? Dad, you seem like you're really anxious. Dad, you seem like there's something going on. And Abraham would have to look at him and just say, Son, I love you. 
son, everything's okay. And so, I mean, my gosh, could you imagine what this dad must have been going through in these moments? I mean, he loved God. He was going to be faithful to God, but it still doesn't make it easy to be at Moriah, to be at the place that God, Jehovah, God has called you to in a difficult situation to the test. It's difficult. I mean, think about it for a moment. While they're climbing up this mountain, there may have been a point where maybe Isaac was slipping and Abraham caught him and he thought, man, can I save my son through the next step of this journey, right? It's a really difficult part. And in verse 9, he says this, And they reached the place God had told him about. Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar. That means he tied him up on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, oh my gosh, words from heaven, right? Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught, in, caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Man, that's a tough story. I struggle with that story. So what about you, church family? Is there something that today you just need to say, God, I'm going to sacrifice this thing. There's something I've been holding on to. Um, maybe it's, I don't know, a habit that you were unwilling to hand over to God. Maybe it's an addiction that you've been struggling with that you're unwilling to hand over to God. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your children and you're like, you know, God, you can have all parts of my life. I make you Lord and Savior, but my kids, I can't give you. Or maybe it's your finances. Lord, this is my thing. Or whatever it is, you fill in the blank. What is the thing that you just need to put on that altar and say, God, this belongs to you. I can't hold on to it anymore. I got to let it go. Because this is the truth. This is the truth about God. And the truth about us too. We're funny because as people, we often come to our Heavenly Father and, and we're good with God, give me joy. God, give me peace. God, take care of my life. But hey, let's, I want to hold on to this thing. But you know what the Bible says? That God is an all-consuming fire. Think about that for a moment. An all-consuming fire. What does an all-consuming fire do? I don't know if you've ever seen a house being consumed by fire, but the last time I've seen it, the house does not have the option to say, hey, would you only take this room and not that room? Because this is my hobby room. God wants it all. God wants to consume all parts of us. He doesn't want just some of us. That's why Jesus said to make us, him, your Savior and your Lord, to Lord over your life. And Abraham understood this. He understood that he wasn't going to withhold anything from, from God, not even his son. Because the truth is, is our kids don't belong to us. We're just borrowing them. They belong to our Heavenly Father. You know? and, and the truth is, anything we hold above God is an idol. It's idolatry. And ironically, you know, in Abraham's days, it was idols that people would sacrifice their children to. And this God took Abraham to the point, but then he said, no. I give them right back to you. Isn't that interesting? When we're willing to sacrifice things to our Heavenly Father, God gives them back to us, and He gives them back to us better, and the promises are fulfilled. And I love what that place was called. He said, the Lord will provide. I want to ask you this. Where do you need God to provide in your life? What place are you at? Maybe you're at that difficult place of Moriah where He's called you, and, and for the most part, you've been struggling. 
You've been struggling with the test. Maybe you're anxious about the test. I'll tell you this. There's a neat study that Harvard put out recently on on test anxiety. And they said, you know, of course this is, I know some of you are thinking, you're like, well, this is about kids and testing and college students and testing. Well, not necessarily. I think there's some of these tips to overcoming anxiety and, and, and test anxiety that we can use in our spiritual life. So think about this. This is what the article says. Ahead of an exam, students experience test anxiety for many reasons. And he says this, perfectionism leads some students to believe that their test performance won't be good enough to meet their exact or high standards. I mean, I think sometimes that's what we do. We bring into Christianity this fact, this idea that, oh, we can be perfect and we're never going to make mistakes. Hey, let me just tell you something. We serve a perfect God. And in fact, Jesus says to, to, to seek, to go after, you know, oh, goodness gracious. You ever just forget something? Well, I just did. You know, to, to serve the one who is perfect. Jesus is perfect. But you know what? You and I aren't perfect. To be, there you go. I knew the train would come back. To be ye perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And so we pursue perfection in Christ. But the truth is Romans 3.23 tells us for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and we know this, you, you look at any of the heroes, the patriarchs in the Bible, and man, they made mistake after mistake. And, and so if you bring a spirit of perfectionism into Christianity and you think you're never going to mess up, that, that's, a really, that's a really terrible way to approach it because at some point you're going to make a mistake. And what you don't want to do is beat yourself over the head. So here's a few more tips to overcome test anxiety. One was this, uh, at the beginning of the semester, set dates for your tests. Well, let me just tell you something. As Christians, we know this. We can't figure out when God's going to test us, but what we can do is we can be prepared. How can you prepare for a test? Read your Bible daily, pray daily, attend the devotionals, and of course, attend church online right now. That's a big way to get ready for it. Another one says, attend office hours and course questions and review sessions. Well, how do we do that? Uh, easily, you know, when you attend office hours, you meet with professors. You meet with other, you know, uh, people who are, are like mentors. And as church family, the way we prepare is we get discipled. We find someone who can encourage us. We log in. That's why we tell you, hey, log in prayer requests because we have people who are more mature Christians and they can pray for you. They can encourage you. So we tell people to get into life groups because in a life group, you sharpen one another. And there's usually a senior Christian in those groups, not old, like old person, but I mean someone who's been walking with Jesus a little longer than you. Also, I like this one. It says, visualize the success of outcome. Visualize a success of outcome. Now, now, there's no power of words and all that. That's not what I'm saying. But I do know this. Our visualization is that Jesus will help us overcome any obstacle. So if you're being tested, you better know this, church family, that you can count on God. God will be with you. And this is when you pull those scriptures out like, I am an overcomer in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ. We visualize what God has already done for us, and we can trust him. And I'll give you one more. There's a whole lot in this article. But... I like this. It says, view the test as a game. Now, life's not a game. And it says, but I like this. It says, focus is on winning the prize. Now, let me just tell you something. What's our focus? What's our prize? It's Jesus, pure and simple. And just focus on when you're in the middle of a test and God is working in you, just focus on the fact that God is going to get you through it and that ultimately he is our prize. So it doesn't matter if we win or lose. We always win in Christ Jesus. At the end of the day, all you have to do is do your best and let God do the rest. Remember, you know, test our stories we share with the next generation. Truth is, 
Over seven years ago, I, I came to New Hope Church, and I used to be a lead pastor of a church just like this. It wasn't as big as this church at all, but but it was a church that I loved dearly, and I served those folks for years, and, and I loved them, and I got to walk with them and encourage them to follow Jesus and to grow in Christ. And let me tell you something. One day, I believe it was in February, and, and I felt like God was calling me away from the church. I didn't understand it. Went to my wife, and I said, hey, I feel like, you know, God is calling me away from you, from, from my current church and calling us somewhere else. And went to my wife, and she said, let's do it. And, I, and if you know my wife, listen, I had no plan B, by the way. I didn't know where I was going to go. I didn't have another job lined up. I just knew God was calling us away. And you know what? We took a leap of faith. You know, in fact, I love what one theologian once said. He said, we can only better understand God by taking leaps of faith. And we did it. I went and talked to the elders and I said, hey, listen, this is what God's doing. They prayed for me. They were like, hey, uh, you need to find another job. But you know what? I didn't feel like God was telling me to do that. I know this seems crazy. Never in my life have I done this. But literally, it was May 25th. I believe it was my last sermon, my last Sunday teaching. And on Monday morning, I'm like, Lord, with my iPad, you told me to, to leave that job, to walk away. I don't got a job now. I was so freaking out. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation. I'm like, Lord, what do you, but you told me to. And so, no joke. So my wife, she gets on the phone with me. She's at work at the time. And she's like, Mike, I'm going to come. I'm going to bring manna from heaven, Whataburger, a breakfast on a bun. Oh, thank you, Jesus. God is so good. She brings me breakfast, and we're cracking that thing open, praying for it, and I can just smell that heavenly manna. About to eat it, no joke. I get a text on my iPad, and it says, Pastor Mike, what are you doing in ministry? And I was like, what? What is this? And it's an old student of mine. I totally, you know, it was an old student from a long time ago, years back when I was at A&M. And uh, one of my old students, and, and he just says, hey, and I said, well, as of today, I am currently unemployed. And he says, send me your resume. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, what church are you at? And he's like, this church called New Hope Church. And no joke. So we're texting back and forth. And finally, I, I happen to have my resume ready. And I sent it to him. Within five minutes, as I'm chewing on my heavenly manna, breakfast on a bun, Whataburger, um, no joke, I get a call from the executive pastor. His name is John Davis. And John calls me, and we're on an interview over the phone. And, and no joke, that's how it happens. It is that fast. And with, I was obedient. I took the leap of faith. And we knew after that day that we were going to New Hope Church. And here I am over seven years later. Listen, tests aren't just about exposing our weaknesses. They're also about showing us where our strengths are. Are you passing the test? Because if you're not yet, this is what I do know, that God is with you, God loves you, and he can help you get through it. All we got to do is trust him. That test revealed not only my weakness, but my strength. And I'm so thankful that I'm here today at New Hope Church. Hey, I, I want to pray for you, church family. So if you would, join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my church family. I thank you, Lord, for those who are, who are, are overcoming their trials and tribulations especially during this difficult time. But Lord, I pray also for those who are, they feel like they're in the fire, they're going through hard times and the tests are overwhelming. Jesus, may your voice be the loudest amongst all the noise and chaos of this world. I pray God that when this time is over, this um, season that Jesus, we can look back and say, we passed the test, God, we trust you and we've grown in you. Thank you, Jesus, for all you're doing. It's in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we all say, amen. Grace, mercy, and peace, church family. Hey, we will see you next time. I believe today is Thursday, so we will see you Sunday morning, 945. Remember, the lobby opens about 930, and we're looking forward to seeing you. God bless you. Grace, mercy, and peace.